Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Episode 17, recorded Saturday, October 19th, 2019. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cincerpino. Well, coming to you a day earlier this time, I usually record on Sunday mornings, but it's Saturday morning here, um, and I needed to get this show in because tomorrow we'll be heading out to Little Cayman for some diving. We have a group of 25 divers heading down to the Little Cayman Beach Resort, and we've been planning this trip for a very long time, so we're excited to see it really coming to fruition, and we'll be heading down there bright and early tomorrow, Sunday morning. But before we go out there, I wanted to get this show in. I've got a couple of things to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Praddy's Project Aware course. We're going to talk about marine protected areas. And then uh, stay tuned for another installment of Sea uh, Hunt. It's still alive. Back in February of this year, we conducted the PADI Project Aware Specialty Class. Uh, we were chancing it a little bit with the New England weather, and as it turned out, we did have a snowstorm uh, that night. We still held the class, and it didn't deter nine people from coming out to partake in uh, the discussion on ocean health and uh, conservation. So we have another class planned in November, and we're hoping to see some folks come out and have some of that dialogue again. I thought it would be good to talk a little bit about Project Aware, just what it is and just uh, where it came from. Originally, uh, it was a project that Patty had started back in 1989, and it was a project around aquatic world awareness, responsibility, and education. That's where the term aware comes from. Um, It originally was uh, designed to talk about the 10 ways divers can protect the underwater environment. And uh, now those 10 ways have morphed into the 10 tips for divers to protect the ocean planet. In 1992, the Project AWARE Foundation was started. So it spun off a patty and started its own organization. And in 1994, uh, Project AWARE sponsored the International Cleanup Day. That was the first one. And it was in in, uh, coordination with the Center for Marine Conservation. And that organization is now known as the Ocean Conservancy. Between uh, 89 and 2005, uh, they did various campaigns and training and created courses for uh, Project AWARE. And then in 2006 through 2016, there was a big push for advocating for healthy sharks and rays and coral reefs. So you can see how it continues to to evolve over the years. In 2008, 
Project AWARE joined the International Union for Conservation of Nature, or IUNC. And then in 2011, they had a, a big year of sponsoring the dives against debris, and they also um, introduced what they called 100% AWARE. And that's something that we at Scuba Shack have participated in. We started in 2018, um, and what that means is for every PADI certification that we uh, process at, the, at Scuba Shack, we make a donation to the Project AWARE Foundation. A big mark was in 2018 was when they uh, uh, published the fact that they have now removed one million pieces of trash through their dives against debris. And also they introduced Project Aware Week and in, in it's in the September time frame and they've had a couple of years of that. And also in 2018 they revised the specialty class. And that specialty class was first offered in 1998. I went back and looked at the book that I had from Project Aware way back then. The goals of this course, the Patty Project Aware Specialty Course, are to introduce people to the Project Aware movement and to familiarize them with those 10 tips for divers, and finally, to demonstrate how individuals can make a difference. Now, the 10 tips, I'll just read through them real quick. One, be a buoyancy expert. Two, be a role model. Three, take only photos, leave only bubbles. Four, protect underwater life. Five, become a debris activist. Six, make responsible seafood choices. Seven, take action. Eight, be an eco-tourist. Nine, shrink your, far, your carbon footprint. And number 10, give back. So Project AWARE, long history, um, out there since 1989. Um, we're proud to be a 100% uh, Project AWARE sponsor, and uh, we're hoping to have a, this class come off in November again and do it a couple of times every year. There was an article in the latest Alert Diver magazine from Divers Alert Network that talked about diving in marine protected areas. Well, I thought I'd dive a little bit deeper into just what a marine protected area is. So, as always, do a little research. I went out and found that uh, there's a lot of great information out there on uh, the National Oceanographic and, Administra and Atmospheric Administration website under marineprotectedareas.noaa.gov. And uh, I was tracing it back as to how just marine protected areas came to be being, and uh, it pointed me in a direction of um, an executive order by the President of the United States. And it was an executive order, 13158, that was signed by uh, President Bill Clinton in May of 2000. And the purpose of the executive order was to help protect the significant natural and cultural resources within the marine environment for the benefit of present and future generations by strengthening and expanding the National System of Marine Protected Areas. So back in 2000, President Clinton was uh, looking to expand marine protected areas. Um, as a result of that, uh, we can now say that there are uh, 1,200 marine protected areas in the United States, and they encompass 3.2 million 
uh, square kilometers of space, and that represents 26% of all the U.S. waters out there, and 23% prohibited commercial fishing. And to put it in perspective, the marine protected areas um, cover about 1.4 times the amount of the uh, land space of, of the United States. But the, the definition of a marine protected area is any area of the marine environment that has been reserved by federal, state, territorial, tribal, or local laws or regulations to provide lasting protection for part or all of the natural and cultural resources therein. Now, uh, it didn't all start in 2000. It, it actually traces back to uh, the early 1970s. And way back then, um, there was a law passed called the National Marine Sanctuary Act. And that was signed in 1972. And it had been amended and reauthorized several times. Now, why did they pass this law back in 1972? Well, um, as early as 1968, there were 11 bills uh, introduced into Congress because of various uh, things that were going on. Particularly, there was concern about the dumping of nerve gas and oil waste off of the coast of Florida. And then also, there was a large oil spill off the coast of Santa Barbara. So uh, it took them a while between 1968 and 1972 to finally get the law passed. The law has been amended several times, 1980, 84, 88, 92, 96, and again, the last time was in 2000. And um, it actually uh, authorized funding at the time through 2005, and it went from $32 million in funding up to $40 million um, in 2005. Um, if you read that law a little bit, it talks about uh, if the marine protected areas fall under the Secretary of Commerce. There are procedures written in there for how they get designated, uh, the prohibited activities that, can, that should or could not occur in, in a uh, sanctuary, um, the enforcement aspects of it. For example, a criminal offense is six months in jail plus a fine. Uh, or if there's a, a weapon used or bodily injury, it's 10 years. And then uh, civil uh, penalties can be up to $100,000 per day. There's research and education associated with it. And then um, things around destruction and loss uh, uh, of, of the environment. Well, I was a little curious about uh, where the money comes from uh, for marine protected areas or marine sanctuaries. And I guess it's under the NOAA budget. So I looked at the, the NOAA budget for both 2019 and 2020. The good news for 2019 was even though the current administration tried to cut back the NOAA budget significantly, it was funded to almost its full requirements. But that's not the, the end of the news. Uh, the 2020 budget calls for some significant cuts um, in, in the NOAA budget, specifically in the areas of ocean and coastal management services and climate research. So hopefully uh, those uh, fundings will be restored so we can continue on the great work on the, the marine protected areas and the great work that NOAA is doing. Uh, I did notice in the, uh, the brochure for the DEMA 
conference or DEMA show that there will be a, a, a um, presentation called Diving Into Your Ocean Parks and Lending Your Voice, and it's going to be by John Armour, the director of NOAA's uh, Ocean and uh, National Marine Sanctuary. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to, to sit in on that one when we're down at DEMA in a few weeks. Uh, marine protected areas, we need them, and let's hope that the Secretary of Commerce uh, does his job and uh, gets the funding necessary. Well, it's time for another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive. And this time, Matthew picked out an episode for us from season two of Sea Hunt, and it was show number 15 that year, and the show was titled Nerve Gas. And it was the 54th episode of the whole Sea Hunt run, and it premiered April 12, 1959. So here's a synopsis of Nerve Gas. Well, Nerve Gas starts out with Mike Nelson um, and a dive buddy, Stan, who is an LAPD officer at 70 feet, who is a judo expert for the LAPD, and they're practicing their underwater fighting. Well, that tees up uh, some of the rest of the show. Now, the scene shifts to uh, another diver getting out of the water who is indicating that they found a submarine at 140 feet and that there's a $5,000 reward for finding that submarine. Well, that diver's name is Jerry Wiley, and Jerry is played by Leonard Nimoy. Yes, Mr. Spock. Well, before Jerry can go back and find the the submarine and put a marker buoy on it, he starts freaking out, going crazy, and fighting with his wife, but uh, he finally passes out. Well, his wife calls the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard knows that Mike Nelson is in the area, so they dispatch Mike to help this diver. Well, Mike pulls out on his boat, and the boat is the Chinook, not the Argonaut. And the Chinook is based out of Lake Mead. Well, Mike pulls up to the boat uh, with the other diver on it, and uh, they try to revive him, but they're unable to. So they start pulling out, uh, and they leave the Chinook behind. How they got that back, not really sure. But as Mike's trying to revive the diver, he starts giving them mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Well, all of a sudden, Mike becomes overcome with the same thing that affected Jerry. He starts going a little crazy, and then he starts with fighting with Stan. Uh, Stan gives him the karate chop, and there's where the judo comes in, and now uh, Mike is out cold, and uh, Jerry is driving the boat back. The next scene shifts to the hospital, where Mike is recovering, and the doctor is talking to Mike about all the things that are going uh, that went, all, went wrong, While uh, the doctor's talking, a nurse comes in and said there's a lab report on an electric eel, and they're going to keep it completely secret. Well, uh, the scene shifts now to the doctor and Stan back out on the water, and they go down to 140 feet to try and find uh, whatever it was that was down there. Uh, as they're, uh, they're, they have a metal detector with them, and as they're diving, we see this big rubber shark go by, and it flips over, and it goes down on the bottom. So they Stan hands off the metal detector. They go look at the shark, uh, find nothing wrong with it, and they're, now they're suspecting the problem. 
And the doctor comes up back on the boat and say, well, now Mike will have a full recovery and it'll be up to Mike uh, to, uh, to, to figure this all out. Well, the doctor, it turns out, was in World War II and uh, they knew about a Japanese submarine that apparently sunk close to the coast of California that they suspect it was full of a nerve gas agent. And that nerve gas was exodroid. And the doctor talks about one drop being able to kill uh, many men. Well, now they have to find the submarine, and then uh, what they have to do is figure out if it's, uh, there's seepage or whatever and uh, seal it up. So a lot of things going on here in this episode. Mike and Stan now are on a mission to find the submarine and then uh, actually uh, seal it up and uh, get it ready for the Navy to deal with. Well, they talk about using wetsuits for protection in this area uh, and also bringing uh, uh, hypodermic needles with them so that they uh, have antidotes in case there's any problem with, uh, with the uh, nerve gas. Well, Stan and Mike go underwater. They bring their torches down. And they search for the submarine. They have a detector to find the nerve gas. Um, well, as it turns out, yes, they find the submarine. The, the, the submarine has a, a designation on it, 337. I'm not sure where that came from, but uh, they go down, uh, find the sub, um, and then start to weld it shut uh, where it's seeping. Well, as it would turn out, as they're welding, uh, Stan uh, burns his glove and is now exposed to the nerve gas. Stan starts freaking out, and again, now they're fighting for real underwater. Mike pulls out the hypodermic. Uh, inject Stan, and uh, Stan uh, settles down, and uh, they get back on the boat. Well, now with the uh, the nerve gas sealed up and everybody back, uh, they take it, they, they, the scene shifts to the surface where all three of them are on the shore, and they're looking at uh, a Navy boat out there, which now blows up the uh, submarine, and apparently uh, the explosion oxidizes the gas, and it's harmless. Um, so that's the episode Nerve Gas. There's so much going on in this. You really got to take a look at this one. Um, and at the end, uh, Lloyd Bridges says, join us again uh, uh, for another episode. Interestingly enough, this was supposed to be off the coast of California, but the underwater uh, sequences were filmed in Silver Springs, Florida. See you on there's just so much going on in these shows. If you have a chance, uh, take a look at them. And we'll be back in a few weeks again with another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive. Well, thanks again for listening to episode 17 of Scuba Shack Radio. Really appreciate our listeners out there who are uh, loyal and want to hear about uh, things that are going on. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks after our little Cayman trip um, with some more uh, information regarding uh, different things in the marine environment and diving and uh, maybe the history of diving. As always, we appreciate any feedback that you have. Uh, rate us on your uh, favorite podcast application, or if you like, uh, provide me feedback either through the show website or through the Scuba Shack website where you can get in touch with me on the Scuba Shack weekly blog. 
If you have any uh, episodes of Sea Hunt that you'd like me to review, or if you uh, have any favorite dive sites for our installment of Your Next Dive, please pass them along. We appreciate any feedback that you can give us. Well, again, we'll be back in a couple of weeks after the little Cayman trip. Uh, We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.